New. New. We've been in a series entitled New, and the idea behind this series was asking God to do some new things in our life because he's a God who's always wanting to do something new. And I want to I speak to you today on the subject of a new longing. A new longing, and I, let me make this statement. You are driven by what you long for. Don't miss that, or you're going to miss the entire com- complete message today. You are driven by what you long for. In other words, what gets you up in the morning, what drives you, what, what you set your schedule, how you spend your money, where you put your time. If someone looked at your life as a whole and said, man, you are really driven to do blank, that's what you're longing for. I was in the uh, Keys uh, a week ago with my family, and I'll share a little bit about that, but, but one morning I was up, and, and any of you who are dads or grandpa like I am now, and you take your entire family somewhere, you know it's not exactly a vacation because you're responsible for everything, right? Anyway, so I got up super early just to take a deep breath and spend some time with God every morning. One morning I was, I was just reading my Bible, and God dropped these two words in my heart, driven and longing. And really the Holy Spirit began to ask me, Jason, what are you longing for in your everyday life? Are you as on fire for me now as you ever have been? Or do you long to be with me? And, and so me and God are having this conversation, and then, then I went about my day. And then the next morning, in, the, in my very devotional, in my reading through the Bible in a year, I came across Psalms 84. Psalms 84, and it talks about how lovely it is to dwell in the house of the Lord. And so that's, that's where we're going to jump out of today. But I, I want you to remember that statement. What, what drives you is what you're longing for. You're driven by what you long for. And, and what you long for is a matter of the heart. Your longing is like the gravity of your life. Your longing is like the gravity of your life. Now, we all understand gravity, correct? Those of us who are getting older understand it a little better than those of you who are younger. But, but, but we understand gravity. So I know that if I step off this stage, I'm going to go down. Because that's the law of gravity. So, so you take that and you take the longing of your heart. And the longing of your heart is the gravity of your life. The longing of your heart is what's pulling you towards your actions in your everyday life. Does that make sense? You guys getting this? Looking at me funny. So, so okay, to put it this way, you remember when you were growing up, did you ever take a beach ball and try to hold it underwater? Yeah. You remember that? When that you're like, you know, you, you just get on top of the beach ball and try to hold it down. It'd slip out the back and pop up. And then we have expensive tool toys now, tool, uh, pull toys. You can just buy your kid a beach ball. And, and it'll be good. And then you'd get something, you'd try to hold it down, and it would pop up. Well, it was trying to pop up because it was full of air, and gravity was telling it to go up. St. Augustine says about the heart of humanity, the heart of humanity will always, always be restless until it rests in God. The heart of humanity will always be restless until it rests in God. And so longing is an issue of the heart. So let's, let's get into this, Psalms 84, 1 through 12. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. 
Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on, look on our shield, O oh God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, and thank you for your word. We pray that it would be a change agent in our lives so you can, we could change the community that you've placed us in. Lord, I pray that, that you would uh, help me to, to communicate this idea of how you're, you're a God that so wants to be with us. Lord, set our hearts ablaze and on fire to long to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Number one, a new longing to be close to God. A new longing to be close to God. And all of us, if someone asks us the question, do you have a longing, do you have a want to be close to God? We'll say, well, yeah, we all want to be close to God. But do we have a longing that pushes us to that place? We just read it. We'll read it again. Psalms 84, verse 1, in the first part of verse 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. I don't, let's stay on the point. I don't go back to the, can you go to point one? Yeah. So, yeah, right there. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. So we see right here the psalmist is saying, oh, how wonderful is it to be in your presence, God. Oh, how wonderful is it to spend time with you. Oh, God, how lovely is that peaceful place. How awesome is it to be close to you, God. Now, you have to understand the psalmist is referencing the presence of God with the temple of God, with the temple courts, because this is before Jesus has come and died. This is before before the veil was torn. This is before we had, we had a way into the presence of God. We know that now in the New Testament, we are the temple of God. And when we give our heart to Jesus Christ as our personal savior and we confess him as the Messiah, the Bible says the spirit of God indwells this jar of clay and the mystery of God, the spirit of God indwells us. And so we have a way to be in God's presence on a daily basis via the Holy Spirit. And so the, so the psalmist is saying, oh, how lovely is that? Oh, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty? Oh, and so the idea is, do we have a longing in our everyday life? Is it important to us to be in the presence of God every day of our life? Is it important for us to be close to God? Is there a longing in my heart? Because I'm driven by what I long for. And if I'm longing to be with God, if I, if I can't go, get through my day without being with God, then I'm going to be driven to be close to God. That's what the psalmist is saying right here. Your, your dwelling place, that, that place where I hide out with you, God, my quiet time when I read my Bible when I pray. Oh, how lovely is the peace of that place. Oh, how lovely is that place where, where I've got my phone turned off and, and no one's awake yet. Uh, oh, how lovely is that, is that place, that peaceful place that I'm with you, God. My soul yearns. In other words, my soul long even faints for the courts of the Lord. This, this idea of being so needy of the presence of God and being so aware that, that when I'm not in the presence of God and, and when that longing is not in my heart that something's off, something's wrong. So my soul even faints. How many of you remember grade school love? Grade school, kitty love? You remember that? How many of you are old enough where you actually used to write notes right before texting? You write a check yes or no? And then there was a clause at the bottom for, for all the future lawyers, they didn't know there were going to be lawyers in, but they put a little clause at the bottom. If it's yes, please meet me behind the pavilion during recess. <laughs> wink, wink. 
and you actually had to draw the wink. <laughs> anyway, so, and, it, and then you, get, you remember that, and then you get a little bit older, and, and then you, you're, you're a teenager, and so now you're a teenager, and so now you know everything, and you, and you fall in love, and you fall in love, and you're in love, and you, ain't, you don't know what love, you think you're in love. Let me tell you what love is. Love is work, but that's a different sermon. And so, so, but, but you, you found the one and you know, you found the one and you got to be with them all the time. And you're, when you're not with them, you're on the phone with them. And when you're not on the phone with them, you're texting with them. And when you're, when you're not texting with them, you fall asleep and, and then they text you in the ungodly in the middle of the night telling you they love you. And, and it's just so, so stupid. <laughs> it's so unbelievably ignorant. And, um, it reminds me of Bambi. Do you remember Bambi? The movie Bambi? And Bambi is, and it's springtime and the flowers are going crazy and Thumper's doing this and the butterflies are floating around and the animals are chasing each other. And Bambi, I think he asked the owl. I can't remember who he asked. It was the, the owl, the wise old owl. Well, how's everybody acting? And the owl looks at Bambi and goes, they're Twitter-pated. Don't you know what Twitter-pated is? And Bambi didn't know and... I won't go into that, but it was springtime, and, and there were, there were, the love was in the air, if you will. And I love how the psalmist put it, right? my, my heart even faints. And when you're in that state of love where you think you have to be around that person all the time, or the world's going to come to an end if you don't, you're not in constant communication with each other, and then when you finally see each other at the bus stop or in home room or at school or whatever, and, and you see, and your heart flutters. <laughs> ah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no. <laughs> Young ladies, I tell you, he's not worth it. <laughs> not yet. But, 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 but the psalmist is trying to get a, a point across right here. Oh, my heart even faints. In other words, my heart flutters, God, to think about spending time with you. My heart, you are, my heart is longing to be in your presence. My heart is longing. So we got to ask ourselves the question, do we long to be close to God? Do we miss God on a daily basis when we're not spending time with him? Do we have a pseudo-Christianity where if we looked at our life from the outside looking in, that there are so many other things that people would say are more important to us than being in the presence of God? That's a tough question, isn't it? We, we were down in the Keys, as I, as I mentioned, and... and um, my wife and myself and my son and his girlfriend and my daughter and her husband and most importantly besides my wife, my grandson. And, and so every day, we went down on a Monday and came back last Sunday. Every, every day, I, it was awesome. It was like Christmas morning for me because every day we would wake up and he, I knew he was in the house, right? And so I'd get up and go read my Bible and I'd come in, you know, go get another cup of coffee and I'd just start listening and, you know, and looking around and then Chelsea would come downstairs and, and if he's smiling and if he's been changed and if he's recently been fed, that's my time. <laughs> so every day, and I'm just kidding, I, I'd take him anyway, but every, most of the time, every, every I, I don't like changing diapers. Here's the way I look at it. I did my time. I raised two kids, right? You take this, this stinks. You take it back. <laughs> He's perfect. His diaper is not. But anyway, it, it was so, so awesome. And, and we were getting close to the end of our trip. And so Saturday morning I woke up and, and I ran into Raina because uh, we were both different parts of the house reading our Bibles or whatever. And I said, hey, have you thought about like, we got to go home Sunday. And have you thought about missing Jack? Jack's my grandson's name. She goes, yeah, I was just thinking about that. 
And it was one of those deals where, like, there was a longing in my heart that I was going to miss being with him every day. So that Saturday, we set it up where Chris and Chelsea could go out on a date, go running around and stay out that night, go on a date so they could have some time without Jack. But really, we just wanted time with Jack. And so I'll show you a picture. This is Saturday afternoon. That joker is awesome. So we're, we're hanging out in a hammock together and I'm holding him and I'm telling him the mysteries of life and I'm telling him, you know, I'm praying over him, already praying for his wife and we're giggling and laughing and I'm throwing up way too high. If his mom was around, she wouldn't allow it. And so we're just, we're playing and he's laughing and, and I'm just like enjoying just so engaged and so engulfed in the moment so just so happy to be holding my grandson and and yes being in the keys had something to do with that but but it was it was like one of those moments I'm just like yes like and 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 I I knew the next day we were gonna have to leave it no, I'm going to miss that. Can I tell you, that's how God feels about us. God wants to be with you. God, the Bible says in James 4, God's a jealous God in reference to the spirit that he has put in us through his son, Christ Jesus. God, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, God, it, it, you're God's child and he, ha- he wants to hold you in that proverbial hammock, wants to toss you up in the air, wants to be with you. So I got a question. Do you have a longing in your life to be close to God? Because he wants to be close to you. David says in Psalms 42, I believe it's verse 1 and 2, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. So what what David's doing right here in this psalm is he's associating a physical drive. We know that the human body goes about three days without water, and then what? It begins to shut down. So there are certain things in life that we we have to have water. So David's saying, just as that physical part of a deer or even a human has to have pants at some point for streams of water, he's saying, oh, God, my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? In other words, it's not an option. In other words, he's saying, look, just as I have to have water, just as that deer has to have water, just as that deer pants and longs and looks and searches and runs until it finds a drink of water, God, that's how my soul feels about being in your presence. In other words, it's not an option. It's not an option, God, for me to spend time with you. It's not an option for me. So the question is, do you have a longing in your heart to be close to God? Because it's not. he says, when can I meet with you? Oh, I can't wait. I can't put it off another moment. I can't wait to be with you, God. I cannot wait to hang out in that proverbial spiritual hammock. There's, there's some things that are non-negotiable, is what David's saying in this Psalms 42. How many coffee drinkers are out there? Coffee drinkers, anybody drink coffee? What do you do if you wake up and the coffee maker's broke? Yeah, there's no, there, there's no, let me sit down and think about this. Is there? No, there's no, let me sit on my couch and ponder what I'm going to do about the broken coffee pot. No, you get in the car and you go to Publix and get a coffee maker or you go to Starbucks and get some coffee. There's no, it's just like a given. For those of you who don't drink coffee, I guess you don't get that illustration, but for the rest of America, we get it. Like, it's not something you think about. It's just, you just do immediately. You just do it. Like the coffee maker's gone. We're going to get coffee. So what David's saying right here, he's saying being, being in the presence of God is non-negotiable. When can I go meet with God? When can I be with him? So 
asking God to give us a longing in our heart to be close to Him because we're driven by what we long for. What we long for is the gravity of our life. It's the magnet. It's what pulls us. It's what sets our schedule. It's what gets us up late at night. It's what gets us up early in the morning. It's like, it's a non-negotiable. So we pray, God, would you put a longing in my heart to be close to you? Number two, a new longing for the living God to have all of me. Psalms 84, the second part of verse 2. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. A new longing for the living God to have all of me. Now, if we were to be honest with ourselves, and, and, and you ask yourself this question, you did some personal inventory and said, you know what, God, do you have all of me? And it's a great question to ask God every once in a while. You guys still with me? Good. So, so it's, a, it's really good to do some personal inventory every once in a while and say, Lord, is there something in my life that's outgrowing my longing for you? Is there a hobby? Is there an activity? Is there a want? Is there, is, do, you, do you have all of me or am I longing for something? My heart, the psalmist says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My heart and my flesh. And so here we have the heart. God, okay, you can have all of my heart, but we live in a world that calls to our flesh. And so not only is he saying, Lord, my heart wants to be with you, all of me, my heart and my flesh want to be. In other words, I long for you, God, to have all of me because what I long for is what's going to drive me. So, you know, you look at it this way. It's not enough just to say, yeah, God, you have my heart. You need to have all of me. Romans talks about the quandary, Romans 7, verses 14 through 25, where Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do, but what I do want to do, I don't do. And in this, I realize, and I'm paraphrasing, that the, the law is good, it's no good, because I'm a person of sin, I'm a person of flesh. He gets all the way to verse 24, and he says, oh, what a wretched man I am, who is going to help me in this situation? Verse 25, Romans 7 says, but praise be to God our Father, he's given us our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who rescues us from the law. In other words, make a way for our flesh to come in line with the word of God through the spirit of God. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, I want you to have all of me, take all of me. And it's so important as a Christ follower. I can tell you some of the most idiotic decisions looking back that I've made in my life have been when I, in a moment or a season of my life when I'm not being close to God. I sit with people a lot and, and I find them in a moment of trouble in my line of work, where maybe they've made a moral mistake. And, 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 and you always see where that thought, that, that started with a longing. See, if you long to have an affair, you're going to be driven to have an affair. If your heart longs and lust, you're going to figure out a way to have an affair. You're going to get really creative, and you're going to be driven that way. If your heart longs for money, you're going to be really driven to make a lot of money. If your heart longs to be a good parent, which there's nothing wrong with that, then you're going to be driven to be a good parent. What's, what is the longing of your heart? And I would submit to you today as Christ followers, we need to do a pulse check on what the longing of our heart is. And do we long for God to have all of us? Do we long to have for God or do we have those pet areas of our life where we say, God, we're good here. I've given you my heart. I got my get out of hell free card. We're all good. I go to church. I even serve sometimes, Lord. So we're good. So, but this other area of my life, I refuse to let you have. Some of, I mean, those are areas that we can only relate to if we talk about toddlers. You ever raised a toddler, had a toddler in your house? Those jokers are stubborn. Amen? 
Yeah, and they, they'll, they'll hang on to stuff. And like, I can remember when Dylan was like two or three years old, and now you get in trouble for this, but like, son, you need to give me that. I'm like, excuse me? And you wonder where they get this, right, when they're toddlers. Like, they'll just straight up tell you no. Son, you need to get, <laughs> Dylan, give me that. Like, give me, he's holding a lighter or something about to burn the house down. Like, you need to get, and he's turning him upside down by his foot. Give me that. We're stubborn. We're, 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 we, want, we, we want what we want. If we're not careful, that flows over into our spiritual life. And we say, yes, God, you can have all of me. But do we live that way? Do we long for God? Do we long to live in com- complete freedom? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My heart. What am I longing for? I am what I love. The longing of my heart is the gravity of my life. That is what's going to pull me to where I'm going. And then the end product of my life, the sum, every, the legacy that I leave is going to be much in what I long for throughout my life. Does that make any sense? So, so we have to ask the Lord, God, I want to be close to you, and God, I want you to have all of me. It was asked of Jesus in Matthew 22, and the, the question was asked, uh, Lord, what, can we go to that Matthew? Thank you. Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus sums it up right there. You need to be in love with God with everything. You need to be in love. Your heart needs to flutter at the thought of God. You, you, with everything that's inside of you, with your heart and your flesh, longing to be holy before God, longing for God to have all of you, even in a fallen world. What's the greatest, this is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Coastline, we've, we've committed to one another that this book would be applicable to our everyday lives. So here's an application that you can have this week. Here's how you can put this in, into play in your life this week. Ask the Lord, God, what areas am I holding back from you? And really, it's a redundant question because you already know. But it's really therapeutic for yourself just to go ahead and ask. Lord, what parts of my life am I holding back from you? Where am I holding back your blessing in my life because I refuse to let go of this area? Because I want you to, I long for you to have all of me. That's what the psalmist says. Number three, a new longing to live a life of sacrifice and submission. Two words the Western culture hates, sacrifice and submission. Psalms 84, 3 through 4, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Back to the, back, back to the point, Kendall, number three, a new longing to live a life of sacrifice and submission. So we look at this idea of even a sparrow has found a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may have young, a place near your altar. And so that, there's a whole teaching right there on the safety and the peace and the, the concern of God, if you will, in his presence. When you come into the presence of God, you realize that there's nothing too small that's going on in your life that God doesn't care about. Jesus even referenced in Matthew about a, a sparrow doesn't even fall to the ground without God. Knowing about it. So there's nothing too small in the presence of God. And then you move that into a place of altar. Now, altar is a place of sacrifice, correct? 
Originally in the Old Testament, the altar was a place where things were sacrificed for the atonement of sin to to gain the peace of God between God and humanity. There was a sacrifice that was made at the altar in the temple. That's what an altar represents. It represents sacrifice. That's why Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. God finally sent his own son to be sacrificed, to be crucified for us so that we could be at peace with God. That's what altar means. And so the altar of our heart, when we say, God, I long to live a life of sacrifice, that means we have to be willing to, to lay down things in our life. You want me to tell you what, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's wrong with a living sacrifice? Is that a living sacrifice crawls off the altar. Yeah, because we can be in a moment of emotion and, and we could just gotten back from a retreat or something. Oh, God, you can help. We come to a Saturday night or Sunday service and hear an encouraging message and hopefully it's encouraging or maybe you went to a church that had a really good pastor and it was a, it was a great message and you go, oh, God, you can have this. Oh, God, I'm going to start doing this. And then Monday, you're like, yeah, maybe. And then Tuesday, you're like, what was I thinking? And then Wednesday, you're like, heck, no, God. And then Thursday and Friday, oh, I must have lost my mind. And you're right back to normal because you really didn't die to self. You really didn't say, God, in your presence, I'm longing for you to have all of me. I'm going to come to a place of sacrifice at the altar of God. God, take all of me. Oh, what God could do. I believe it was Spurgeon that said, the world is yet to see what God could do with one man who totally gave all of himself to God. It's a process Oh, but isn't it a great goal to live a life of sacrifice? And he goes on to say, Lord Almighty. So then he gets into this idea of the altar being a safe place, a place of protection, because God is, he he is Lord Almighty. Some of the versions of the Bible, Psalms 84, talk about the Lord of heaven's armies, of heavenly hosts, speaks of the Lord Almighty, my king and my God. So sacrifice, and then let's talk about submission, a life, a longing to live a life of submission. Here's the definition of a king. The one who rules over the daily provision of his subjects. Do you hear that? It's a definition of a king. A good king cares about those who are subjected to him, those that he is in control over. A good king, if you will, would make sure everyone had enough to eat, everyone had a place to live. A good king would divvy up the, what the good that has come into the storehouse out throughout from, from his kingdom, from his castle to the people to making sure we have the greatest king. We have the king who gave his own life for us, Jesus. But, but we don't like, we don't like the idea of being subject to anyone's kingship, anyone's kingship. And if you say, oh, that's not me, you just proved it to you. Oh, no, I'm too humble. I'm, I, I, I love for people to tell me what to do. <laughs> You're lying. No, you, I mean, we, we're, we are stubborn, selfish creatures born into a, a world full of sin. And, and the idea, especially in the culture that we've been raised in, the idea of being subject to someone we don't like. We love the part where God protects us. We love the part where he is our shield. We love the part where he's going to bless us. We love this part. But then when we get into this idea of king and God and being subjective under his kingship, man, that's hard. Because if I'm going to call him king, then I have to live under his rule. If I'm going to call him king, then my life has to reflect someone who is submitting to the king's process. That takes sacrifice and that takes submission. 
And those are two things that we, we don't like to talk about a lot because they're not, they go against our carnal nature. It goes against our nature to say, you know what, I'm going to give this up even though I really love it because God's asking me to give this up. And so the psalmist, so you take this, and I believe it's Psalms 27, Psalms 27, 1 through 4, and, and you look at, this is such a good picture of the Lord Almighty, King, and God. The Lord is, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. We love that God. We love God Almighty. We love that King that's going to take care of us. You remember 9-11? The church has never been more full than the days and months following 9-11. And my friend, it wasn't our congressmen and our senators trying to get a raise during the days after 9-11. They were on the steps of the capital quoting this scripture right here see because when everything else falls apart we love to claim the God that takes care of us we love that but do we want to submit to his kingship in our everyday life good question verse 3 the psalmist David goes on to talk about verse 3 Psalms 27 though an army besiege me my heart will not fear though war break out against me even then will I be confident Lord Almighty my king my God then brings it back to a place of longing. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Wow. After saying, yes, God, you're good. You are Lord Almighty. You do protect me. You are my king. But this one thing that I ask I want, I want to dwell in your house. In other words, I want to operate in your presence on a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, year by year process through my life. I want to go about my day, God, knowing that I am in your presence. A longing to live a life of sacrifice and submission. A long, why is that? Not to be a doormat for this world, but to be a child of God that knows that what he wants for us is way better than what we could want for ourselves, Because he's the good father. Last thing. A new longing to fight the good fight. So I told you we'd only get through half, a little more than half of Psalms 84. We'll finish it up next week. But Psalms 84, 5 through 7 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As soon as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Go back to the point. Point being, a new longing to fight the good fight. In other words, a new longing not to give up in hard times. So we go from a longing to be close to God, the psalmist does, and then he goes into a longing of having all of me, God. Then he talks about, oh, Lord Almighty, my King and my God, a life of sacrifice and submission. And then he goes into, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. In other words, whose heart are set on seeing you face to face one day, God. We're going to see Jesus face to face one day. 
That is a reality. If you believe this book, the Bible says we know in half now, one day we will know in full. I don't know what kind of picture you have of Jesus in your mind, but, but I, I, I know the one I have, and I can't wait to meet him to see if I'm even halfway close. But, but, but I am going to meet him one day face to face. And so my heart, when you give your heart to Jesus, it's just not one of those things, well, I need to check that off the list. You are setting your heart on a pilgrimage. You are setting your spiritual life on a journey to one day meet God whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage verse 6 as they pass through the valley of Baca now we can read that and you say okay what in the world is the valley of Baca Baca means a place of sorrow a place of pain and a place of hurt as they pass through the valley of Baca they make it a place of springs the autumn rains cover it with pools in other words their, their, their strength is in the Lord even in the hard times So the psalmist is bringing us into a place of, look, even in troubled times, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Friend, you don't dig wells on mountaintops. You find the lowest place, and that's where you start digging. That's where you dig wells. That's where where water comes from. And perhaps some of you are here today, and you're in the valley of Baca. And you're saying, yes, Lord, I long to be close to you, but what's going on in this situation in my life? Why am I going through this pain? Why am I going through this trouble? Why are things working out like this? Well, here's the thing. Maybe you're not getting the answer to your why right now, but you have the answer to the outcome. And the outcome is that you will go from strength to strength because it goes back to Romans 5. We rejoice in trials and tribulations because they produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because it's been shed abroad in the hearts of God's people by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we can't get stronger if we don't go through stuff. We can't, our spiritual muscles can't get stronger unless we we work them out every once in a while. And that's the Valley of Baca. But what the psalmist is saying right here is the Valley of Baca doesn't have anything to do with how good God is. He is still awesome. He says, I still cry out to you with my heart and flesh. Although life is not making sense right now, I'm still going to worship you. I'm not not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to the right. And one day I'm going to look back at that season. I'm going to see flowers growing where there was only dirt and there was only rocks because I was forced to dig a well of the living water that would get me through that time of my life going from strength till strength until one day, God, we see you face to face. Don't give up. Don't quit. It's okay to ask why. Just don't quit. Because if you don't quit, you can't lose. So if you're in the Valley of Baca today, you keep longing for the presence of God. You keep longing for him to have all of you. And you, you ask him today, God, give me a longing to not quit. Give me a longing to fight the good fight. Second Timothy, I believe it's chapter four. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Do you know why he said I fought the good fight? Because he realized we win. I don't know of anybody who's ever been in a fight and got the mess beat out of them and said, man, that was a good fight. No. He says, I've kept the faith. I didn't quit. Yes, it was a fight. Yes, there were some times. Yes, I mean, Paul, of anyone, he's beat. He had lashes 40 times minus one. He was shipwrecked. He was naked in the city. He was naked in the country. He was beaten. He was hungry. He was destitute. Yet he had learned to be content in all things to the point where he reached the end of his life. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
I have kept the faith. You know whether Paul is saying, yes, I went through the valley of Baca, but I still find my, going from strength to strength, and I still find my peace in the presence of God. How do we do that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Wow. The pioneer. He was the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You are not going through anything today that Jesus does not feel your pain, for we do not have a high priest separate from us, yet one that can identify with us. He's the pioneer of the faith that you need to get through what you're going through. He's already pioneered it because he's already been through it. He's already paved the way. And he did so for the joy set before him, and that was you and me. That was the joy that, that was going to restore humanity back to God. That, that, that was going from strength to strength so that one day you and I will have a chance to see Jesus face to face. Because Jesus is coming back. I mean, I, know, I don't know how much you talk about that around your dinner table. I don't know how much you think about that in everyday life. I don't know if it's just something that you hear me say every once in a while. But Jesus is coming back. Parents, you need to talk about that with your kids every once in a while, just like you talk about math or soccer or whatever you talk about. Talk about Jesus coming back. He's coming back one day. Thessalonians says it like this, for the Lord himself will come down from the heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first verse 17 after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever therefore encourage one another with these words it's our blessed hope it's what we put our faith in Jesus Christ is the living God he he was killed he was placed in a grave he rose out of that grave by the same spirit the power of the spirit that resides in you and I he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he's coming back for his church one day. That's what gets you out of bed, and that's what keeps us going. That's what gets you through the valley of Baca. Set your eyes on this, and that's why Paul said, you guys encourage each other. Encourage one another with this. Yes, we live in a crazy world, and as far as I can tell, it's getting crazier by the day. However, Jesus Christ is still king. He is still our Savior, and he's coming back one day, so do not quit. Ask God to give you a longing to fight the good fight. A longing to fight the good fight. A longing to fight. Go from strength to strength. And it's not fun. I see so, some of you are just bawling right now because of what you're going through in your, in, your, in, your walk, in your life. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. God's able. He's able, man. You're going to get through it. That is that group of us who have set our heart on a pilgrimage. Maybe you're here and you've not started your journey. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And, and your heart is kind of set on things of the world and you've been going here and you've been going there trying to fill this void that only God can fill. And what a great day. What a great day to start your pilgrimage. What a great day to turn your heart and say, Lord, take my life. Maybe you've tried this, that, and the other, and nothing's working out. Maybe you need a change in your life, friend. I'll tell you what, Jesus is the X factor to change, and there are many of us in this room right now that would tell you face-to-face, he changed my life. Some of us would not be standing or sitting in this room today had it not been for us finding Jesus. It's the bottom line. So maybe that's you. 
today. What a great day to give your heart to the Lord. Would you bow your heads before we're dismissed? All over this place, say, Jason, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to accept him as my Savior. I can't point to a moment in time where I've ever done that. But I feel I'm dealing with my heart right now. Everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's moving around unless you have to. But you say, Jason, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. I feel him dealing with my heart right now. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see and put it right back? I see your hand. Just put it right back down. Say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Say, I need Jesus. I see your hand. That's awesome. If you raised your hand, I want to pray with you. And after service, come up to this table and get a Bible and a devotion and talk with someone. But let me pray with you right now. Pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for sending your own son to die for me. And right now, I confess in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave. And I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. So God, right now, I accept your forgiveness through through your son, Jesus Christ. And I put my faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Lord, thank you that you're filling my heart right now with your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you most of all for a new start, a new beginning. Give me the boldness to go up to the table and get a Bible and a devotion. In Jesus' name, amen.